We're launching today a new series called Built to Last. And we're talking about how you can have a family that has a lasting legacy to pass on to the next generation. So we're really excited about studying the family, God's word for the family today. You know, raising a family is a challenge, right? It's kind of hard. I read an article this, this week about a, an older man who went to the doctor to, because he had some hearing problems and he got some high-tech hearing aids. And uh, on his uh, follow-up visit, the doctor said, I bet your family is so glad to know that you can finally hear it. He said, oh, doctor, I haven't told them. <laughs> he said, well, what do you mean you haven't told them? He said, I'm just listening. He said, I've changed my will three times already. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, it just goes to show you, family's a challenge. And it's, it's hard to, uh, to, to raise a family and, and sometimes to do family. But, but what we're going to talk about is how to build a family that lasts, to have a lasting legacy. And so every single week, I'm going to give you a commitment for that week that you can begin to work on. And I'm going to give you seven commitments over this series that if you build these commitments in your family, it will be a family that is built to last, all right? So let's go ahead and start with the first commitment and then we're gonna dive into it today. If you're taking notes, you wanna write this down. By the way, all of this is also on the app in the sermon notes section. Uh, go under resources and sermon notes and you'll find it all there. Here's the first commitment. Families that are built to last are committed to laying a solid spiritual foundation. Families that are built to last are committed to laying a solid spiritual foundation. Everything starts with a foundation, right? Everything starts. I remember when we built a house years and years ago, the girls were little at the time, and we went out there when they were laying the foundation and we even walked on it. And I remember showing them, this is where your bedroom's gonna be and this is where the kitchen's gonna be. Everything looks so small when you only look at the pad, right? But uh, I remember writing our names on it, writing Bible verses on it, because everything starts with the foundation. And if you want a family that's built to last, you must have a solid, biblical, solid, spiritual uh, foundation. You know, Jesus talked about this. In John chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, Jesus has just wrapped up the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he uh, closes with an illustration about two different builders, and they're building two different houses. And they have two different foundations. One foundation is on sand. And so when the storm comes, it, it, it collapses because it doesn't have a solid foundation. The other is built on the rock, which is the word of God. And, and that house built on the rock is what stood the test when the struggles came. So it's really good for us to step back right at the very beginning and let me ask you, what, what is your family's foundation? What are you building your family on? Now, you may not really be able to ascertain that right off the top of your head. I mean, we'd like to say, well, God's our foundation, right? But, but what is it really? So let me ask you some questions and this will help you pinpoint it. What do you spend the most, your, most of your time in your family talking about? Where do you spend most of your money as a family? Okay. What, what, here, here's a big one. What is success? How is success determined in your family, individually and as a family? What is success? For some families, really their foundation is sports. I mean, they, they are, they're spending a lot of money, they're traveling a lot, 
There are a lot of conversations about it. There's a lot of ups and downs wrapped around that. That's really the foundation. For some families, it's education, class rank, um, good grades, getting into that high-profile college, having lots of postgraduate degrees. That's really the foundation. For some, it's just having fun, just recreation, going to the, the lake house this weekend and going on a trip the next weekend and just doing a lot of fun things. But here's the here's reason why I mention that. You can have that as your foundation. Why? Because when the storm comes, you don't care about sports. When the storm comes, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or, or how many trips you take. When the storm comes, you need something solid, Right? that will stand against the storm. You need a solid spiritual foundation. Now, for some families, it's, they don't have a very solid spiritual foundation. And when pressures come, they really buckle. I remember when my uh, grandfather, who was a car- carpenter by trade, w- had retired, he built a home for him and his wife to live in, a small little two-bedroom house, very little house, out in east, east of Dallas. It was kind of out in the country at the time, it's now grown up. But this little house served them really well, but then granddad died and grandma couldn't live in the house by herself after a while. And then over the course of time, it was a pure and beam foundation. And over the course of time, that home, just because of the shifting of the soil and all that, just began to buckle. And I tell you what, the, the floor of that thing came up really high like this. You could not walk inside this house anymore. It had to be demolished because the foundation was ruined. Now listen, you may already be seeing cracks in your family's foundation. You may see the cracks with pressures of of life, a marriage strain and stress, maybe problems with the kids, maybe financial pressure, maybe there's some alcohol or drug addictions that you're wrestling with, problems that are coming, and you can already tell that your foundation is struggling. Listen, when your house has cracks in the foundation, you call a company and they just put some piers underneath it and they can fix it. But where do you go when when your family's foundation is struggling, when your spiritual foundation is struggling? What do you do then? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to show you four things you can do to begin to stabilize and to build a solid spiritual foundation. Once you get your Bible, open it up to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. We're in the Old Testament Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. The word Deuteronomy literally means to repeat the law. Deutero means again or to repeat. Uh, Nomos means the law. And so this is a repeating of the law of Moses. Little context before we dive into it. Moses had led the Israelites under God's great work out of Egypt and up to the lip of the promised land. They went in, they saw that it was a really good land, but they were afraid to go in, and they refused to go in. And as a result of that, God said, all right, everybody back out in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation that said no to me will die in the wilderness, and your children now are gonna be the ones to go in. So here we are, 40 years later, they're back on the lip of the Jordan River again. They don't wanna make the same mistake twice, And so Moses is reading the law again. He's giving them the law again of how they are to live. And the reason why he's saying this is because they're going into a pagan land with pagan gods. 
and he doesn't want their children to succumb to and be pulled away from the Lord by these pagan rituals and gods. And so he's going to show them how to have a solid spiritual foundation. Now listen, it doesn't take a lot for you to connect the dots between then and today. You are raising your children in a pagan land. You are raising your grandkids in a time when things are not moving toward the Lord, but away from the Lord. And what you need most is a solid spiritual foundation, all right? So we're going to look at how to lay that down, okay? So Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, uh, here's the first point. Uh, jot this down. You've got to recognize the authority of God in His Word. You've got to recognize the authority of God and His Word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, this is the Word of God. Uh, this is the command, the statutes and ordinances, the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Now stop right there for a minute. I want you to underline the phrases, the Lord your God, and underline the phrases, commands, statutes, ordinances. All those terms equate to authority. This is your God. These are his commands. It's all about what is your spiritual authority. So let's just get real here for just a minute. Is God's word the final word for you and your family? Is God's word the final word? When you are coming up against decisions to make, when you come up against moral choices with your children, when you're dealing with issues of life, do you say, okay, well, let's go back to what does God's word say, and this is what God's word says. Do you, are you always coming back to this as the foundation? I know a lot of people say, oh yeah, you know, certainly God's word is our foundation, but then when they come to actual decisions that they make in their family, they're making decisions that are far off from that. And I'm not sure how they got there other than they thought, well, we'll make a, a certain you know, uh, accommodation here. I know God's word says this, but I don't think we're gonna do that. And they divert from it. So is God's word the final word? Is it, does it have authority in your family? For, for many families, the answer is no. It does not have the final word. And the reason why is because those families do not have a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview, you say, okay, what is that? A worldview, let me just give you an official definition. A worldview is a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. Philosophy of life or conception of the world. The worldview is how you see the world. It's like the spectacles you look through, the lens you look through to understand and make sense of the world. Your worldview determines what is good and what is true and what is right. It also, your worldview will determine what is bad and what is false and what is wrong. Okay? So your worldview is helping you make these discriminations, make these determinations as what is good as bad, right and wrong, true and false. That is your worldview. Now, a biblical worldview is one in which your grid for life is determined by what the scripture says is good and bad, right and wrong, true and false, right? That is a biblical worldview. Now, you would think that most people that follow Jesus would have a biblical worldview. According to a survey in 2020, just a couple of years ago, they surveyed Christians 
get this, of evangelical Christians that would go to a church like ours, that hold their Bible and, and claim to love God, 21% had a biblical worldview. 21%. Two out of 10 people had a biblical worldview. If you dive into the younger generation, 18 to 29 years old, 2%. 2%. Now, I don't know if you're shocked by that. I hope you're shocked by that. But you say, well, why is that? I mean, you know, they went to church and they, you know, they, they, they heard the Bible stories and so on. Why only 2%? And I think the reason is because they may be coming to church a couple of times a week for an hour, but every single day they're being tutored in a different worldview. On their phone, they're being tutored by a different worldview that is not a biblical worldview. Everything they see on social media, everything that they hear from their friends, everything that they're hearing from a, a secular culture, every, all, lyrics to songs and movies that they watch are all communicating what is good and right and wrong and true. And it's contrary to this. And, and you know this to be true. You don't have to even turn on the TV to figure that out. And they're being taught that. So then you'll hear them say, well, you know, I'm just not as conservative as you are. I don't really hold to that like the older generation. It has nothing to do with older, younger. It has to do with the authority of this book. Is this book authoritative or not? And if it is, then you have a spiritual foundation. If not, then you're building on a faulty, faulty foundation. So we've got to come back. This is why Moses, now you're beginning to get the picture. Why? He said, before you go into a pagan land, you've got to know who your God is and what your authority is. You've got to nail that down. And by the way, it's the job of our church and the, and the joy of our church to come alongside you in that good work. But if you, if you expect that an hour in our kids' ministry once a week is going to be enough, then you're wrong. They've got to hear this at home. They've got, to, they've got to have you laying down that spiritual foundation, you knowing the word, you pointing them back to word. It's got to start in the home. We'll come alongside and help you. We're going to coach you up. We're going to help you answer questions, give you tools and resources, but ultimately it's going to be you. Some of you, you're raising kids on your own, and it's up to you, and that's why you need a church family to help you. Some of you, you're just starting uh, your family, right? And so you need help. You need a, a body that will come alongside you, a Christian church family that will come alongside you and help you. That's why we're here. But this is point number one. I can't state it enough. The authority of God and his word is foundational to laying this spiritual foundation. By the way, we are going to offer on April the 27th a seminar on Wednesday night for parents on how to establish a biblical authority in your family. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. Number two, number two, reclaim a multi-generational vision. Reclaim a multi-generational vision. Look at verse two. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Now stop right there. I want you to underline the phrase, you, you, your son, and your grandson. See that? He's talking about a multi-generational approach. A lot of times when I talk to people, I say, well, how, how's the family doing? Usually you'll, you'll hear something like this. Oh, well, 
great. You know, Susie uh, got into grad school and she's doing really good. And John, he, he, he landed him a great job, a Fortune 500 company. And they're, whoo, they're making a lot of great money. They moved in this big old house. And that, that's how they define success. Now, is that wrong? No. But that's not the ultimate success that you should be thinking about for your family. The ultimate success is what we call a multi-generational vision that your children are walking with God in such a way, well, that you're walking with God in such a way that your children are walking with God and in such a way that their children will be walking with God. This multi-generation, that is how you determine success. The multi-generational approach. I remember when uh, my niece, I've told you this before, but my, my niece came to stay with us years and years ago. Her daddy had died in a car accident. Her and her little brother had come to stay with us. She's about 10 years old that summer. And of course, they were devastated. Complete, we were all devastated. And I remember going on a walk with her and just talking to her. And I, and I started off talking about her her great-great-grandmother that loved Jesus in our family and that really was a spiritual pillar in our family and prayed for our family and loved the Lord. And then her granddad uh, that loved God and he grew up in a very kind of abusive, difficult home life and how God had preserved him from that and, and how he loved the Lord. And then, then now uh, her mom and me, her uncle, uh, how God had provided for us and taken care of us and, and, and led us, and now it's her turn. And I said, the same God that was faithful to your great-great-grandmother and the same God that was faithful to your granddad and the same God that was faithful to your mom and to me is the same God who will be faithful to you. And you can trust him. What I was helping her to see is that she was part of a long line of a godly generation from one generation to the other that has trusted God and found him faithful. Listen, that's what you want. You want to have a vision that says, no, can I, if I can just survive my kids getting out of high school, you know, <laughs> that, that, that would be good. But you got to think further than that. You know, how, how can I get them to college? You know, no, let's think about, let's think about instilling the love for God in them so that they can instill it in their children so they can instill it into their children. That is what God is looking for. This is a multi-generational success. And if you do that, look at what happens in verse three. He said, listen, Israel, be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, he's talking to them. They're standing on the, on the shore there of, of the Jordan. They're about to cross over in the promised land. And he said, this is a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. How is that? Well, it's, it's got enough pasture to take care of all your cattle and your, and your goats and your lambs that will produce milk and, and prosper and multiply. It can satisfy all that you need. And it's got honey. It's got dates and, and fruit and pomegranates and all these things that you need. It is a prosperous land. If you follow me, I will lead you into that. Listen, if, if you keep in mind and keep impressing on your family this vision of multiple generations walking with God, then you will find a blessing in that. There's no greater joy than that. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have hard times, right? The storms are going to come. The hard times are going to come. 
but the real joy in life is going to be in how they're walking with God. I, I've, I've been with a lot of people when they died, and I've never heard any of them talk about a baseball game or their golf score or what, what grades their kids made. But I hear a lot of them talk about their desire that their kids walk with God and their grandkids walk with God. This is what matters. And so he said here, there's no greater joy than doing this. Look at this, 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than this than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And as soon as I say that, I realize that there are some of you here that your kids are not walking with the Lord right now. And that's a heartbreak for you. And you've invested and you've invested and you've poured into them and they're just not walking with God right now. And this is a season of prayer, right? And a season of asking God to draw them back, asking God to draw them back. And you continuing to be faithful and trust God so they can see you as an example to follow. Number three, we're talking about building a solid spiritual foundation. Number three, restore a genuine love for God. Restore a genuine love for God. Look at verse four. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is often called the Shema, which is, comes from the Hebrew word listen or to hear. And, and so this passage is probably one of the most prominent passages or popular passages of Jews uh, since the very beginning. Uh, the very first words a little Jewish baby would begin to hear and to speak is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, and mind, or heart, soul, and strength. Uh, this was the, the prayer that every Jew would repeat on a daily basis. I mean, it was the core of Judaism. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? Uh, Jesus repeated this in Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important uh, command. So if you want to lay down a spiritual foundation, it really is laying down a foundation of a deep love for God. A deep love for God. Do you love God like that? Does your, do your kids see that you have a deep love for God? A deep love for his word? You know, when a, uh, when a man loves his wife, you can tell you know, he, uh, he's, he serves her, he protects her, he, he talks about her in, in positive ways. Um, he, he's always uh, wanting to please her. You know, he, he he's, uh, shows affection to her. These are just, you don't have to, just look at, look at a couple that's dating, you know, for the first time. You don't have to teach a guy to do that. He just does it, right? It just comes out of the overflow of his heart. Same thing is true in your love for God. You know, when you really love God, you, you talk about the Lord. You can't help but talk about the Lord. You, you, uh, you want to serve him, not because you have to, but because you want to. You, um, you, you want to worship God, and worship is an important part of your life. All these things come out of the overflow. So here's the question. Do your, do your kids see this love for God in your life? Do they see that you love the Lord? I remember as a teenager, I'd get up in the morning and uh, stumble into the kitchen. That's what teenage boys do. They get up and they stumble into the kitchen. And uh, I remember going in there to dig in and see what I can find. And I'd see my dad with, on the couch with his open Bible, worshiping God. 
He didn't do that because he was on a church staff. He did it because he had a deep love for Jesus. That God had done some profound work in his life. And, and even though I didn't join him at the couch in that moment, I remember it all these years. It's seared in my mind. And that inspires me to want to love God like that too. Listen, when you love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, it's infectious. And, and it inspires. And, and like I said, even if they're not walking with God right now, they will remember it. They will see it. It will constantly be, that memory will constantly be pointing them to Jesus as they go. Let me give you one more. Our time's just about up. Number four, remember the Lord in your daily conversations. Remember the Lord in your daily conversations. Look at verse six. He said, these words I'm giving you today are to be on your heart, in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Uh, I, now Moses is going to get really practical here, okay? This is how you build the spiritual foundation. And he's going to talk about really practical things. And I think you just need to underline the phrase in verse 7, talk about them. Talk about them. That put a big underlined star right there. Just talk about spiritual things. Talk about spiritual things. Weave spiritual conversations into your daily conversations. Talk about God and what he's doing in your life. You know, a lot of dads will say, well, I just don't know, you know how to start that conversation. It seems so weird to go, well, let's talk about God. You know, and it's just awkward. You know, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just, and I know it can feel that way. So it doesn't need to feel that way. First thing you can do, and this is just a little tip is just share what God's teaching you. If you read something that day, then just share. Hey, you know, I was reading in, in this and, and this one verse stood out and it really meant a lot to me and I prayed that for you today. Or, I pray, or text it to your kids. Hey, uh, I read this verse, came across, I prayed for you today on this verse and send the text. I mean, you can do that no matter their age, right? You can do that for the rest of your life. It's just, just sharing out of the overflow and that will start spiritual conversations. When you get up in the morning, you're talking about the Lord. You got some worship music playing and you're, you're praying together before they leave for school. When you're you know, on the, uh, in the car going to school, you could pull up the Morning Thrive and you could watch that. It's one minute. And then you could have a little spiritual conversation on the way. You, when you get them up from, you know, get them back from school, you get them some food first because they're hangry at that point. So you feed them something and then you talk about the Lord. I mean, just everything that you're doing is having a spiritual conversation. That way, when it comes time to have an even deeper spiritual conversation, that's not awkward because we do that all the time. And you're always driving them back to the word of God and always encouraging them to walk with God. You're encouraging them. And when you see them doing things that are right, you're cheering them on and you're celebrating them. You're praying over them. You're encouraging them. Listen, I want you to hear this. This is really important. A solid spiritual foundation is laid one conversation at a time. It's like laying bricks, right? One brick at a time is one conversation at a time. Over the course of time, lays out a spiritual foundation for your family. And then Moses gets uh, 
goes on to say, bind them on your hands and on your head and your door frames. The Jewish people took this very literally. If you're around a, an Orthodox Jew, you'll see this a lot of times. They have these strips of, of leather that have the word of God tie, uh, printed on there and they will wrap them on their arms. They had these little boxes called phylacteries and they'll put uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 in there and they will strap it on their forehead, literally on their arms and on their foreheads. They have a little box called a mezuzah that they'll attach to the door frame of their house and they'll touch it on the way in and out. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with those things but I don't think that's exactly what God had in mind. I don't think he was like, okay, I'm not just talking about your physical self. Is this getting inside you? Is it internalized in your heart? The, these spiritual things, is the word of God, is this a part of who you are? You know, let's just contemporize that. There are a lot of people, they've got six different types of Bibles. You know, they've got the Women's Study Bible and the Men's Study Bible and the, and the Spirit-Filled Bible and the New Living. And the, oh, they've got all kinds of Bibles. They've got them stacked on there. They don't read them, but they've got them. You know, they've got the verses that they framed in every house. or They've got the stencil on the, on the door frame. They, 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 they listen to Christian music. They've got Christian t-shirts. They've got the little fish on the bumper of their car. But have these things been internalized into your life? There's a difference, right? And so this is what Moses is saying. If you want to lay a spiritual foundation, it starts with authority. Does God's word have the final word? It comes down to this multi-generational vision of you constantly talking about how you're going to raise your children and their children, and you constantly be casting this vision of multi-generational faith. It comes down to really loving God and talking about your love for God and demonstrating your love for God in your home. And it talks about remembering the Lord in your daily conversations. The first commitment, families are built to last, lay a solid spiritual foundation. Let's go back to what Jesus said, remember? Two builders, two houses, two foundations. One built on the sand failed. One built on the rock stood firm. So what is your family built on? Let me close with this. 20 years from now, okay, once you hear me now, I'm your pastor and I love you, all right? I always say that right before I'm gonna tell you something hard, right? Oh no, here it comes. 20 years from now, the things that you think are really so important right now are not gonna be that important. How much playtime you got? Did you get on the dance team? Did you make the top 10? Did you get into this certain school? Is your room clean? All those kinds of things. These things will not matter 20 years from now. But 20 years from now, the things that really do matter are often the things that we overlook today. You know, the importance of being in God's house, the importance of being in God's word, the importance of being with God's people. The importance, of, the importance of a biblical worldview. These things matter tremendously. But they can often be pushed to the side. So I want you to keep that in mind. What will be most important 20 years from now? And let's live today with that day in mind, all right? Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute. We're gonna wrap up here. But I can't talk about laying a spiritual foundation without asking, do you know Jesus? <laughs> because it's very hard to reproduce something you're not. 
And you can't produce a kids and grandkids that love Jesus if you don't love him, that walk with God if you don't walk with God, that love his word if you don't love his word, that obey him and follow him if you don't obey him and follow him. So really it starts with you. Where are you spiritually? The Bible tells us that God created us to know him in a deep and personal way, but we have sinned against him. And that sin has separated us from God. But instead of judging us, God sent us Jesus. And Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, to reveal God to us. But he also came to deal with our sin problem. And he went to the cross. And on the cross, when they nailed him there, he paid for your sin in full. He died on that cross. They took his lifeless body and put it in a tomb and three days later he rose again from the dead and showed himself over 40 days to multiple hundreds of people he ascended to the right hand of the father he's coming again and even now he has authorized me to to preach to you this gospel that if you will turn to him in repentance and faith if you will say lord forgive me my sin and wipe me clean that you can be right in the eyes of God. You can be reconciled with God and you can have a spiritual legacy to pass on to the next generation. You may say, well, Craig, it's too late for me. No, it's not. It's never too late. Today is a day of new beginnings if you'll turn to Christ. So with your head bowed, nobody looking around, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm unsure of my walk with God, but I wanna be sure. I wanna be right with God. I wanna give my life to Christ. I want to commit to follow Jesus. I want to know for sure that I'm saved, that I'm forgiven, that I'm going to heaven. I want to know this for sure. That just with everybody's heads bowed, I want you to lift up your hand and that's just you saying, pray for me and I'll lead you in a prayer right where you're seated to receive Christ. This, when you lift up your hand, that's an act of faith saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I, I want you to forgive me. So right now, just lift up your hand. If you're seated there, God's moving in your heart. All right, thank you. Lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life. I want to be right with God. Already several people this morning have prayed to receive Christ. Maybe this is your day. This is your moment. If you feel this Holy Spirit convicting you, lift up your hand now. All right, lift it up. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. God's moving in your heart. All right, thank you. Anybody else? All right, thank you, I see you. All right. Okay, you put your hand down now. Just pray with me. God sees your heart. These aren't magical words. God sees your heart. But the Bible says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's what we're doing here. We're just calling on the Lord. So pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died for me on that cross. I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Today I turn from my sin to follow you. And I want you to lead my life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. 
Father, I thank you for your word today. It's so timely, so rich. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, in our families to continue to lay down that spiritual foundation one conversation at a time. Lord, I pray that you would help us hold fast to your word as authoritative and true. Lord, help us to love you more deeply this week and to show it to those around us. Lord, I pray that you would give us a multi-generational vision of seeing ourselves and our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren walking with you, God. Only you can do it. So we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,